Okay, so what I know right now about float that I didn't understand before is that it's low float is going to be indicative of high volatility. And that is ultimately one piece of the evidence that I want to look for if I'm trying to build a case for what stock I'm going to play. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome to the Steady Trade Podcast. Today, we're going to do some short episode series. Stephen is going to teach me a little bit about the number of variables that I want to keep an eye out for to determine if uh, the trade is going to go forward or not. I'm still a baby uh, trader. I haven't begun yet in so many ways, but today I'm going to get some basic overview. Thanks to Stephen. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Kim and Kitten, co-host. You, you, you electrolyte my life. Not electrolyte, you electrify. You electrify my life. Electrolyte is pretty good too, actually. No, electrolytes are a component. Electrolytes are nutrition that fuels, fuels energy. Gives you energy. All right. But electrify is a verb. I did my homework. You told me to do my homework on variables. And these, these are the variables. This is when, you know, my understanding is, I've begun watching uh, Tim's uh, Tim Sykes's course, and he talked about the SSS building the uh, Sykes slide. What is it? Sykes sending. Sykes sliding. Uh, yeah, I mean, so basically, yeah. no matter who is your guru, no matter who the guru is, um, and there's some furus out there, and you don't listen to the furus. And I got some hate off a of furu. Uh, yeah, he's not a furu; he's a guru, but he's a Bad, bad guru. I got some hate off him on Twitter, so but we'll not talk about it. And but basically, there's a lot of gurus. Yeah, go on. Go but there's Tim Sykes and there's okay. Tim Bowen. Um, Tim Bowen calls it building the case. Building. Tim Sykes calls it the Sykes sliding scale. Uh, both are metaphors for the same thing. It's basically how many variables can you stack in front of you that are either pro bull or pro bear to build strength or weakness against your case to go long or to go short. So it's like a, like a, a defense attorney or prosecutor has to make their case for before the judge and jury. So we have to... Very much. Very much. That's, decide that's, to run with something. No, that's a sick metaphor, Kim. That's that's a sick metaphor. Um, It's a very real metaphor and it's a very visual metaphor. And it's true. And I just think if it, if it was O.J. Simpson... Um, not, not that I have an opinion on it, but it's like, it's like OJ Simpson, it's hands on the air. Did he do it? Did he not? And it's like, how much can the prosecutor build a strong case one way? And how much can the defense build, build a strong, strong case, case the other way? Though. He didn't build a strong case and that's why he was acquitted. But, but he, but he, but he had a, yeah, well, I'm not, we're not going to. Well, it I mean, I have, I have opinion I'm just saying stuff, at the but. end of the day, if you don't build a strong case, then you do people do get acquitted. 
So the concept is, you know, that this is why this is so important. We have to, we have to build the case for ourselves to determine. Uh, all right. So the case, tell, yeah. tell me, you told me but, to look, go ahead. What were we going to say? I, I just want to say one more thing. I, I want to say that uh, when you're in the courtroom, when you're in the law of court and the hands on the Bible, um, the, what you're looking for is extreme convictions. Either someone is very guilty or they're totally innocent. And in the exact same way, trades are taken the same way. It's either a very, very good long or it's a very good short. Mm-hmm. And, and these are a trader's dream. These absolute convictions are these uh, absolute mistakes uh, where someone will be uh, rebuted. Trading is the exact same way. You need you need to look for the the cases where it's it's extremely one way, and that's how the the, the evidence or the you don't jump up. in. No, you 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 need you need every single point of evidence to point towards it's a long, or you need every single point of evidence to point towards it's a short. If it's untrue, if you if you're like, oh, some variables are positive, some variables are negative. Some, some variables are guilty, some variables are innocent, some variables are long, some variables are short, then these are a trader's worst nightmare. You better to stay away. So, so that is part of the reason why even I've heard, you know, Tim Sykes say in the, uh, courses I'm listening to, there are times when he's just, he's just not going to enter at all. And that's why I, sometimes people will go a day or two. Yeah. But not because they don't see these opportunities all lined up like you speak to. And so that's why it's better to just, just wait another day, see if you see it and wait until you see that absolute, no, but it's, absolute guilt. That's absolute go to prison for 100 years. <laughs> like, um, but, but what you don't understand and it's so easy to, it's so easy to talk about it in practice. And, and that's, that's what, and, and it's, and it's so easy to paper trade as well. And that's why paper traders are winners and real traders are often losers because it's all about the emotional psychology, which you're an expert in. But, um, the trouble is like, I mean, for me the other day, I took a, I went on a hot winning streak, took a $200 loss and then there was no trades the next day. And I, and I didn't think no trades. There's not a guilty case. There's not an extreme innocence case. I didn't think like that. I thought I've, I've been green all this month. I've had an insanely good month. I want to keep winning. Yeah. And, uh, and I lost 800 bucks doing trading along when I'm not a long trade. I'm a short buyer's trader. I've never long probably twice this year. Wow. And, uh, and one of the times was my biggest loss of the year. And, and it's, it's about the emotional roller coaster. And it's fine. It's, it's okay. It's, it's not the end of the world, but, um, it's about, it's about managing and controlling emotions, but that's for another day. Yeah, I just wanted to. I just, I just wanted to mention that it's not black and white. Makes sense. Makes sense. All right. So today's topics, so, so, we're going to do a collection of six uh, variables, but today we're going to talk about yeah. two of them. And I'm going to talk. I'm going to say pieces of evidence, and I want you to say pieces of evidence. Right, we're in the courtroom. We'll we'll get out. Our, what, I'm trying to think of what Matlock <laughs> or like all these different TV shows I watched when I was. <laughs> little that are way way before your time because you're such a young whippersnapper. All right, I'm not so young, but float go on. and daily volume are the two topics. This is what I understood a little bit about float and daily volume. I'll speak to what I understood it to be, but then I have some questions. How does that sound? Uh, yeah, let's break it down. What is float? What is volume? 
So I understood float to mean it's the amount of stock that is practically available for trading. Uh, did uh, did you is that your definition or is that Google's definition? Google's definition. Okay, what's your definition? The same definition because you read it. I guess yeah, except it. I really didn't know what that meant by the practically available. You know, I understand. So I yeah. okay, let me say the daily volume second too. So I understood daily volume to be the number of shares that are actually trading hands in a given day with a real buyer and seller. Now, when it when it says it's practically available. So, so a company has a market share and it, no, a company has a, yeah, it has a market share and it has a float. Um, the, 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 the market share is what is publicly, it's not, it's what's publicly and privately available. So like say, and I, I sh- I'm not the best person to explain Tim Bones better, but say it's a 10 million company, mm-hmm. uh, $8 million could be owned by insiders. Right. So that's eight million. Eight million is privately owned, uh, but the other two million is publicly available for traders to buy and sell. And that two million is the float. So when they say it's the available, it means the available, like the available to trade. It means what's publicly on the stock market to trade, and that's whether it's on the Nasdaq, the SPY, uh, or the AMX, or the Russell one hundred or whatever. Okay. Whatever market it's on, the float is the available number of shares that can change hands by the public, not private or institutional investors. Yep. Yep. And so is the, is the volume, uh, is the volume different than, I'm just looking at my question here. Is volume only known at the end of the day or is it able to be interpreted as the day goes forward? Now, dead, 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 dead. Good question, because it it reminds me of something that not many not many traders know. Um, the volume is ongoing; it's live. It's like a human; it has a heartbeat. But now it stops at the end of the trading day, and it's after hours, and it starts pre market. But um, volume starts four a.m. New York time. It really kicks off. Yeah, I mean, we have, you have pre-market, early pre-market is like 4 a.m., yeah. Uh-huh. But then, at, and then like the real pre-market is like 7 a.m., but then the stock lights on fire at 9.30 a.m. Yeah. It ignites, if it's if it's a, a heavily traded stock. And then at 4, is it 4, 4 p.m.? 4 p.m., the market closes. And then like 8, I'm on Dubai time, but I think at 8 p.m., uh, it, the volume is officially recorded for that day. Okay. But, 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 but what's really important to stress is, is traders are always looking at volume as a, as a, as an indicator of what, of what the stock might do a previous in the future and in another day. And, and they look at float and volume in different ways. But let's just define volume and then we'll get into that. There is actually so much to talk about. It's ridiculous. Um, volume is basically the number of shares traded by the public. And private institutions, I believe, um, in, in any one full given trading day from like 4.30 in the morning till 8 p.m. at night. That, that's, so that is I'm volume. The number of shares trade in the middle of the day. Am I looking at the volume for the previous day and having that inform the interpretation? I think the volume of that day I'm trading is. 
Yeah, so I, I think the way to tackle it, we started with float, so let's go with float, and then we, then we went to volume next, so let's go to volume, and then the final thing is to talk at float with volume in tandem and synchronization. Okay. So, and so th- this is a kind of a beginner episode a little bit, but I think there'll be nuances and things that, that some of the more advanced traders can, can take out. So first of all, with float, um, you're looking at, do you have a question related to float that you want well, to ask? Or? I, let, let me just finish reading here. So I, I have low float stock are relatively low numbers of shares that are available to the public. Uh, they have higher volatility and price instability. Uh, and as nice. float, it says float is calculated by subtracting the closely held shares owned by insiders, employees, and company owners. Exactly, exactly. exactly. But what I'm curious about is how is that calculated? Are you calculating it? Is somebody else calculating it that you're referencing? No, no, no. Basically, there's a market capitalization. The market capitalization, or market cap as it's known as, is the total number of shares available in the company. The float is the publicly available uh, tradable you shares. That out with your calculator, or no, no. If you months? go on stocks to trade, no. If you go on stocks to trade, if you go on Yahoo Finance, Got it. they'll say the. And generally, it's like they're like half of each other, or they're like eighty percent of each other. So, like the market cap's twelve and the floats ten, or the market cap's ten and the floats seven. Okay. So, like, if if the market cap's ten and the floats seven, then there's three million shares that investors hold in the 7 million shares that are publicly available to trade. Market cap doesn't matter. It's all you care about is the float. How many trades, how many shares are available to trade? And and ultimately, based on the pattern that, you know, stocks of trade is advocating, what should that look like? Does it all, do you want it to always look pretty much the same? Are you always looking for a particular number or a, uh, uh, what, what, what do you say when with pattern and what do you say with pattern and number? I'm not sure. What do you mean by pattern and number? Well, are you, are you looking, you just spoke to a couple. So are you looking for a specific amount that within a couple of, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you speak specifically about float, uh, for me, I group floats in a uh, group floats into three categories. I group floats in a low float, mid float, and high float. Okay. Uh, a low float, it's changed over the years because I've got more aggressive, as I've got more knowledgeable. But a low float is under ten million shares. If if there's ten million available shares to be publicly traded, or less, I'd group that as a low float because. If there's less than 10 million shares and big new, the best way to explain it, and we'll go back to some basics is if you had, um, if you had like lemonade, say, say you're a 12 year old girl, we'll go back to your former self. If you're a 12 year old girl and you go back to your former self and it's a, and it's a hot sunny day and you have like 20 liters of lemonade. You're going to, on a hot sunny day, you're going to, you're going to sell a lot of lemonade because Boys are out summer. People are playing football or American football or whatever. It's going to sell. So if you have 20 million, 20 million shares and it's a, and it's a summer day, it's going to, the stock, the supply versus demand is going to rock it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But what if you, what if you only had like one liter of lemonade and everyone wants it? Yeah. 
it's gonna it's gonna go even higher because the demand massively outweighs the the available quantity. So that's that's just that's just an analogy I just want to put in there. So on low floats, uh, say a low floats ten million shares. If any low float with ten million publicly available shares or less is high in demand, it will skyrocket. If it's that hot sunny day and you've got the lemonade, you're gonna sell it and you're gonna sell it for a high price because it's supply versus demand. The the mid floats are more like 50 million and under, 40 million and under, between 10 million and 40, 10 million and 50 million. Um, they're more like England. It's windy. It's not that hot. But some people still want lemonade. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. everyone likes lemonade. Yeah. But you don't, you're not desperate for it. Yeah. So unless, unless it's an extremely, extremely sunny day, uh, you, you're not going to like rush to buy that lemonade. And the higher floats are you, you, they are your bigger companies. They're like 50 to 250, 300, 400 million floats. Sometimes like billion, two billion, five billion, ten billion, uh, market caps. And they, and the, the major difference in float is that the low floats move fast and they're volatile. The high floats move slower and the less volatile. But, any given stock, given the right news, given the volume, which we'll get into in a minute, um, can still move. I, I thought in general we were being uh, – that all of the books I'm reading and listening to Tim Sykes and Tim Bone was that we want to find the high float uh, stocks. No, I, no? Uh, um, so that, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's the opposite of the teachings, I think. Okay. Okay. So ultimately we want to find those that are the low flow. No, no, it depends. I mean, it, it, okay. it's, it totally depends, but you, you definitely don't want high float. You don't want high float stocks. No, like, okay. like okay. the only high float stock you'll ever trade is Tesla. Tesla has gone insane recently. Okay. But it's the only high float stock that's ever done so. No, you, you, as a trader, you want volatility. Okay. So, so high float would be the antithesis of volatility. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Tesla, Tesla is the anomaly because okay. Tesla has gone crazy recently, but, but okay. any high float stock can only move 1%, 2%, 3%, 4%. So I think, I think that's a huge distinction that I probably didn't have because I probably was associating High float with high volatility, but what I'm hearing is high float no. actually equals low volatility. No, like and 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 this is I'm I'm really really closely teaching um one of my best friends out here. He's got he's got a little girl and a little boy. The beautiful children, I love them to death, and he, and he's a, an amazing guy as well. But but he um he wants to make money, and I'm like, dude, I, I can please let me help you, um. And yeah, I'm I'm teaching him right now, cool. and and he's going through the same steps as you. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's it's very important to remember, and I've told him this as well, that um, you want to be going for the low float, high volatile stocks because that's where you're going to make the the gains. Yeah, I think I think I just somewhere misunderstood what the high and the low, uh, adjective before the word float meant and that's what you know to distinct that's why these conversations are important so i can get these distinctions yeah and again with regards to the the calculated float is that is if you let's say if you're looking one day at one 
particular stock and you're leaning towards it, but you don't see all the case. You don't see all of the evidence. And then the next day, are you going to look again at the float? Is the, is the float going to change? Uh, it's presumably changing all day long. And no, it- no, it doesn't. It does not. It does not. Uh, the one other thing that I want to say is my friend was terrible at maths because he saw me calculating different risk rewards and patterns. And, uh, and he said, I'm rubbish at maths. I'm good at art. And I said, you, Tim Sykes always said, you don't need to be good at maths. And it's true. You don't need to be good at maths at all. That's, that's an important thing. But the, the question that you asked is, it does the float, uh, change and move? And the answer is that, uh, no. The, once you've made an, a, a direct analysis of a stock, then you don't really need to make an analysis of the stock again. The float will never change. The only time the float will change is if the stock do an offering to sell more of the company for a specific price, which would then dilute the float. So say, for example, a float is 5 million. They, these rubbish penny stocks that are uh, very terrible companies, they might say they will push the stock price up with good news. Good news that isn't really good news. It's, it's hype and fabrication. They'll push it up and then they will sell. And all of a sudden they will say, by the way, we are selling, say the float's 5 million. They will say we're selling another 5 million shares, uh, at whatever price the stock is. And they will, and we, and then they get the money from that five, the 5 million shares they sell. So then they'll make enough money to continue operating, but the float will change from 5 million to 10 million. But, um, so that, but that doesn't happen often. And if you do, you get a lot of warnings in the SEC filings. So what I the answer to your question, and I'm sorry it's long, is nothing changes in analysis other than news if it comes out the next day. That's it. Okay, but let's say you're looking at a is it is it going to tr- change at all over let's say a week? Let's say you look at something and then a week later you come back to it. Is it possible that changed? Um, nah, float will never ever change unless you get like a pre-warning about it. And the only time that you'll get like they'll either do the only time the float will change is if they do a a reverse split or b an offering. Um, okay. and you, you kind of get warnings about both of them, but no, it doesn't really change. If it's okay. a reverse split, we'll go into reverse split another day. But offerings is when the 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 dilute the float. Okay, all right. So we should wrap it up there since we. Said we'd only do about 15, 20 minutes. We haven't even talked, we haven't even talked about volume. All right. Well, we have to talk about volume. So talk about it. Tell me, tell me what I need to know about volume. Daily volume or volume is volume and daily volume the same? Like volume can be, um, shown. By the way, it's not. On, sorry. The chicken is still the rooster. We, I have, I don't know. I, I don't know what that means. I can't hear anything. The rooster is outside my window. You just hear him cock-a-doodle-doo. Uh, okay. No, your mic is good. It's blocking it. Okay, good. So you, under, you understand float 100% now? No, not 100%, but I'm better. I'm like... <laughs> what? No, you, like, let's just close this at float, but you tell me what you understand about float, and we'll close it with the confirmations of float. What, and then we'll I, do volume tomorrow. Okay. But I know... Not tomorrow, but... Another time. Okay, so what I know right now about float that I didn't understand before is that it's low float is going to be indicative of high volatility. And that is ultimately one piece 
of the evidence that I want to look for if I'm trying to build a case for what stock I'm going to play. Yeah, but it depends. It, it depends very much on biases. But but we you have to learn this and you have to piece it together. Um, if it's a low float, it's going to be volatile. So it depends on a number of different factors. Say a stock is up 150% on the day and it's a low float. That means even though it's up 150%, it can still be extremely volatile because with low floats, like no one's up and no one's up and no one's down. Say, say the float is 1 million and the volume is 1 million. That means that the, the, everyone who is trading the stock is in at more or less the price of that day. Do you know what I mean? I know. No. Okay. So let me explain it this way. If, if the, say, for example, I bought, it's the February the 5th right now. Say I bought a stock at $10 and the float is a hundred million and everyone else bought the stock at $10. So a hundred million shares all traded at $10. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then say a month later, we all, the stock price went down and down and down and down and down. And everyone was trying to get out at nine and eight and seven and six and five. So if the floats a hundred million and a hundred million shares were traded today in the eights and nines and tens, that means a hundred million shares worth of people are all stuck with losing positions in the eights approximately. Do you understand that? Yep. Then months go by and the stock doesn't trade any volume. And it's now in the threes, the twos, the ones, because it slowly just dissipated and fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. The next time that it spikes to say three or four or five, there's a hundred million shares worth of people who are stuck at eight. So that's a, so you know that the next time it spikes, it's a potential short because a hundred million shares worth of people are in it at eight and they are desperate to just get out at three or four or five and cut the losses. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So there's a big selling pressure, but on a low float, if the float is 1 million and a million volume trades, the the float has rotated. No one is up. No one is down. Everyone is the same. So a low float makes it more of a crazy gamble where with a low float, you can get, you can gauge where people are in the stock. Okay. Do you start out, did you start out when you began looking for one particular pattern that you then felt comfortable with? Like, do you advise us to at least initially look for this pattern and, and that only? Or do you, you know, before you can look at the whole landscape, I'm presuming you go into it with a couple of things you're familiar with and you're looking for those things. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy question because it, like, it's, it's hard. I'm, 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 I'm happy and I'm sad because, um, I'm happy that I have the knowledge to not, to not be in the space or zone anymore to have learned the game and crafted the game. But I'm sad that I, I feel like maybe I've lost touch with many of the new people who are learning trading for the first one or two years because I don't realize 
I, I like, I miss the curiosity and the intuition and I miss the fact that I, I don't, I don't think this way anymore. Um, but I used to. And, um, but the, the pattern I look for is always the same. Yeah. It's always the same. It's, it's, it's a overextended, it's an overextended gap down or it's a gap and crap. I look for two patterns, but, but like a hundred different variables determine that pattern. Yeah. So, so it's, it's a hard one to answer. Um, but what, could you repeat the question and I'll try and answer it. No, I mean, I think, I think there is, you, you are sort of above looking down on the landscape from the top of the mountain and I'm still in the weeds. And I, and I think that's, you know, this, this part, I think it's, I think it's hard to ask somebody who's now on top of the mountain looking down to be in it shouldn't the shouldn't be though. No, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. That mean, that means I'm turning into one of those professionals who don't understand new people anymore. But I don't want no, that to be. I, I think you understand new people. And if anything, you know, just think of it this way. You're having to teach me and that colleague of yours, uh, will, you know, put, put a gun to your head to be able to help us understand the weeds. But we better close no, but, but, because we're probably going way above our 20 minute segment. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would just say if we're going to close it off, let's specifically look at float. Float is the number of publicly tradable uh, shares available to the public and traders to trade. Uh, this is in comparison to um, the market shares available. Market shares include the float and uh, privately invest privately invested shares. The float is just public, and that's the difference. Um, low float is generally 10 million and under. It's low floats are considered more volatile and more easy to move, more tradable. But you get into low floats at your own risk long. They can be brilliant. Short, they can be brilliant for different reasons, but they are volatile. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the mid to high floats, the high floats, you're looking at more where are traders, uh, as bag holders or where are they as profitable traders? And, and that's, that's the two different ways you look at them. All right, and in the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit about time frames. And I think we're going to also talk, if we have time, a little bit about SEC filings and, yeah. and news and sectors and lots to cover. So I'm excited. Thank you for today's lesson, Stephen. It's okay. I hope I was a good teacher. You, you are a good teacher. God, God bless. That concludes this episode of the Steady Trade Podcast. And as usual, if you have any questions, concerns, or recommendations for us, please check us out at SteadyTrade.com, where we actually post transcripts of the episode and recap blog posts of the episode. It's a great resource if you're looking to expand your trading and get a more immersive experience from the Steady Trade Podcast. 